Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. If you would, flip with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. My style may be a little bit different than what you're used to. I, I, I love to walk through there at Sheridan First Assembly. We, we pick out a book and we walk through it and I preach hard in a certain set of scriptures and I'll bounce around some. But this morning I really want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, before, before we get into that, you know, Pat, uh, um, Pastor Austin there was talking about the weather and, and, uh, and, and how, how, how good it felt this morning. And I'll say, do I have any deer hunters in the place this morning? Anybody? Any bow hunters? Any deer hunters? That's me too, okay? It's my biggest passion outside of the Word of God and my family. And uh, I walked out on my back porch this morning, and, uh, and there was an eight-point in my backyard at a deer feeder that I have set up, yes, in my backyard. And, uh, and it really, along with the cool, crisp air, uh, it really got me focused. And the whole way here this morning, I was searching for deer out the window. Y'all got it that bad yet? Probably not. So I love colder weather because it signifies two things. It signifies deer season's coming, and it signifies Razorback football. I was a huge Razorback football fan until yesterday. Come on, somebody. And uh, I think now, uh, over 35 years of heartbreak, uh, I am applying for somebody else's position. Come on, uh, of fandom. So if you would, look with me at 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want to read here these first two verses. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles that are scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Let me stop right there. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do this morning is when we're reading through 1 Peter chapter 1, obviously we see Peter's greeting here. And what Peter is doing here in this chapter is he is telling us and showing us who uh, we are to be as believers in a hostile world. What you're going to see in chapter 1, and I'm going to close out with something that's very powerful that I feel like maybe we skip and we miss sometimes in Scripture. I'm all for the good of the gospel. Okay? But I'm going to tell you, in our churches today and in our, in our Christian uh, groups and circles today, we sing an awful lot, and I'm thankful for it, I believe it, but we sing an awful lot about Jesus chasing us and chasing us and chasing us and chasing us and chasing us, and I'm thankful he does, because there was a time in my life when I was running. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful he kept chasing, but I, I'm ready for some point in one day for us to sing a song that says, Jesus kept chasing and kept chasing and kept chasing, but I kept running. Come on now. I kept running, I kept running during this hostile world. I kept going back to the world because sometimes we, in 2022 America, can make Jesus out to be this ex-boyfriend that's real needy. Can I tell you something? Jesus don't need us. Can I say it again? That's what I told Sheridan First Assembly when I resigned. This is not my church. This is Jesus' church. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus don't need us. He don't need me to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. We can say it all day long, oh, he needs us to, fu- to, to fulfill the, the great commission. Yeah, okay, but I'm going to tell you something. The God I serve is all-powerful, and there ain't nothing that I can do to stop his will. Not only does Jesus chase us, But it's when we come to the realization like I did in my life around 10 years ago that he's chasing me, but at some point I've got to stop and realize my need for him. At some point I've got to stop and realize, you see, we're in in the church, I'm about to just stick with me. In the churches today, we're really good about making converts. Here's something that really got me as being a pastor with religion. I know it's not a problem here. I went and watched some of y'all's sermons and over the last few weeks and on Facebook, and, and I love the way that Pastor Connor preaches and the way he challenges. And I want, I want to say this is in Matthew, at the, in the last chapter of Matthew, and this is going to set the tone, so stick with me. In the last chapter of Matthew, Jesus told the disciples, he said, I'm going, I'm going to heaven. I'm going there, but don't fear, Okay. Don't fear. I'm sending you out. And what did he tell them? He said, you go and make what? Disciples. Disciples. Did you know that in the same book of Matthew, there's a passage, and I know you know this, where where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees 
the religious elite, those who, who had not a relationship with the Lord, not a relationship with Jesus. There was no surrender, but they had religion. They had everything on the outside that looked right, but on the inside they were a mess. And what did Jesus tell? Listen to this. Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you go back and forth, to and fro, working so hard to make a convert. Y'all hear me? He said, you make a convert, and then what do you do with him? Does anybody remember? Jesus said, you make a convert, and then you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. And I read that a couple of years ago, and it really hit me. Because what I saw Jesus saying there was this. Jesus said, I'm not calling you to make converts. Here's what a convert looks like. We call somebody and invite them to church to get them to like the same kind of music we do, to dress like us, to talk like us, to walk like us, and to have everything on the outside that looks the same as us. Because that's what the Pharisees were doing. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, you're going to go and you're going to make disciples. And then in 2022 America, well, a lot of times we cut off what he said next. How do you make disciples and not converts? He said, you go and make disciples teaching them to what? Obey. He said, you teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. Jesus said, if you want to make and you want to call a true disciple, if you want to call someone and, and to change their life, you don't teach them just to, to dress like us and have the, same, uh, 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 to have the same styles as us and to like everything the same, to have the same preferences as us. But what you do is you teach them to be like me, to obey me, to follow me. You see, this was in this same time frame that this author that we're reading this morning, Peter, in chapter 1, if you remember, Peter had denied Christ right here in the same, same time, time frame, after G, or before Jesus went to the cross, and then there was a story after Jesus went to the cross. Peter denied him before he went, and then after he went, P Jesus calls Peter. Do you remember this? He calls him out of the boat. He's, he's cooking breakfast, and he asks him three times. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Because he knows Peter was down and out. Do you love me? And each time Peter said yes, Jesus said what? He said, feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep, take care of them. And then what we're going to see here in this first chapter is this very same Peter that laid eyes upon Jesus. This very same Peter that experienced. How many of you know, I'm thankful that I see the imperfections of Peter because i got plenty of them. I'm thankful that I see the, the, the failures of Peter. If you're in here this morning, you say, oh, I, can't, I cannot relate to this because I'm too far gone. I've fallen too far. I've got too many failures in my past. Can I tell you something? Listen, I'm thankful for Peter and I'm thankful for Paul because you're not too far gone for Jesus this morning. But the problem is a lot of times we don't stop when he's chasing us. We don't stop and turn around and say, okay, I'm surrendering. I'm yours. And I want you to see this morning what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1. Look what he says there. Read this again with me. My iPad closed. I'm sorry. He said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, to God's elect. Look at verse 2. He says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be what? Obedient. The same way that Jesus said, go make disciples, teaching them to be obedient. Now Peter is writing to a church. He's writing to believers. He's writing to Christians. And this is what he tells them. He's reminding them. How many of you know, I'm about to get excited right here, listen to me. We need to be reminded in this world that we live in that we are set apart and we are different. You see, Jesus here, or Peter here, is writing and he says to the exiles, to the exiles. A lot of people misinterpret this scripture. They think he's talking about the Jewish exiles that have been kicked out of something that was going on politically here at this time. He's not. If you go and you, read and you study this chapter, what Peter is saying, we can see it in chapter 4 and chapter 5 because he goes back to it. What Peter is saying is he's calling the Christians the exiles. He's reminding them that their home is not this world. And he tells them, he says, you've been, you've been elected. You've been chosen by the foreknowledge of God the Father. God the Father, through the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Do we see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit there? Did y'all see that? He said, you've been chosen by the foreknowledge of God the Father. Then when you're chosen, it's not over. A lot of people just teach you, hey, just go down and give your heart to Christ and go live the way you want to live. We're going to see here in Scripture in a second, that is dangerous. God the Father chose us through the foreknowledge. 
Then we see it says the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That means that, that I can still remember when I gave my heart to Christ. I got saved every Wednesday when I was a teenager. Somebody said, when did you get saved? They asked me that. When, when did you give your heart to Jesus? I said like 700 times. But the last time that I really, and I, and I, and I, and I understood what I was doing, I can remember going and, and giving my heart to Christ. I can remember uh, uh, surrendering it all to him. And then I can remember going home. And all of a sudden, when, when temptations came back around, there was something. It, it was still there. There were still temptations. There were still struggles. But something in me was different. The Spirit of God had come to reside in me, not just so I could have a lively worship service. Oh, come on. The Holy Spirit don't come just so we can pet things up a little bit. The Holy Spirit was now dwelling inside of me to give me the power. Notice this. To give me the power to be obedient to Jesus. Not to make me. You see, before I knew Christ, I'm going somewhere with this, so stick with me. Before I knew Christ, I only had one account to withdraw from. That was my flesh. Before I knew Jesus, my flesh was the only thing that I could go to and withdraw. It was the only thing that my reactions could come from. It was the only thing my responses could Response is a big word this morning. It's the only thing my responses could come from in my life was my flesh. Once I gave my heart to Christ, the Spirit of God come to reside in me, that sanctifying power to make me more obedient to Jesus. So here's what happens. Here, I don't know who this is for. I was not planning on going here, but stick with me. Here's what happens in our Christian walk is that once we give our heart to Christ, when we allow the Holy Spirit and we're sensitive to that Spirit that's inside of us, whenever we have a chance to respond daily, guess what's still there? Your flesh. God's not going to deal with your flesh until you die and go to heaven. Your flesh is still there. The account that I used to draw from is still there. How many of you know, listen to me, sometimes, it's, sometimes I still withdraw from it. Y'all with me? Just, oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Just on the way here this morning, come on now. Some lady in a car, I hope you're watching right now. Jesus, help her to be watching. Some lady in a white Toyota Corolla, <laughs> somewhere between Bearden and East Camden, <clears throat> thought that I cut her off. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. When she flew up next to my window on my driver's side and rolled the window down and told me I was number one. Come on, somebody. I looked at her, and at that moment, I was starting to, starting to respond by reaching into that flesh that, used to be, that is still there that, that used to guide every decision. Come on, somebody. It was there. Sometimes I do it. I was reaching into that flesh. I was, mm -mm, she is not about to do this to me this morning. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to preach, Jesus. I'm going to, think, I'm going to tell you something about conviction. I'd have been preaching to y'all this morning thinking about it the whole time. And I had that opportunity, but here's what happened next. It's the Holy Spirit just really softly said, don't. You see, and now that I'm a believer, that sanctifying work of the Spirit, I have two options. In every response, in every situation in my life, I have two options. I can still reach into that flesh. That's, it's still there. Or I can reach and withdraw from the Spirit of God. It's a daily decision. And you see, listen to me. Where am I going with this? We talked, Jesus said, go and make disciples. The responsibility of your pastor and the responsibility of this church is to just teach us is to teach us, is to teach you how to respond, to teach you how to allow the Spirit of God by preaching the Word. By Listen, the, the, your pastor is not responsible for what you do Monday through Friday. At the, on Monday through Friday, on Monday through Saturday, you still got to choose daily to reach into the Spirit and say, I'm going to respond with the Spirit of God and not with the flesh. Every decision I make is going to come from the Spirit and not the flesh. Why? Because Peter tells us here, listen to me, Peter is talking to a church and he has a burden to remind them. He's talking to a church that lives in a hostile world. It's becoming more and more hostile in America to be a Christian. We may, I may not face persecution. I'm, I'm, listen, we don't. I don't face persecution like they do in other countries yet. 
okay? But it's becoming more and more acceptable to mock and to belittle. And, and there's, there's little things that are happening here and there, here and there that are being taken away from believers and Christians, and it's just headed. Guys, I'm here to tell you, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you to ever get better. But what I am here to tell you is Jesus hadn't forgot us. He hadn't forsaken us. And so in the midst of a hostile world, Peter's telling this church, you still have a responsibility. I, can tell, I can't tell you how many Christians I wish I could tell to get off Facebook. Come on, somebody. You're hurting us. You're hurting us. Listen, I have political beliefs, but can I tell you something? The name that's on my heart is more important than the name that's in my yard. I am a, I am a citizen of heaven before I'm a citizen of America. I'm thankful to be an American. But we have a responsibility in a hostile world to live out who Jesus called us to be. And Peter here in chapter 1 is just reminding them before he gets going. He says, remember that you're exiles. That what, what does that mean? That you're a citizen of heaven that's visiting here. That your citizenship in heaven should be more important than your, the way we vote here in America. Come on, somebody. Listen, it should be more. And what, what I see on Facebook today, Facebook has, has helped the church and has hurt the church. Because I see so many believers that think they're doing the right thing by belittling and mocking and coming down on people strongly over political beliefs. Listen to me. What The facts that are in there may be correct, but it is not worth me risking. Are you with me this morning? I am still called to be reminded that I'm an exile, that I have been chosen by God. I have been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. And that number three, I have now been called to be obedient to Jesus. The old bracelet back in the day, WWJD. WWJ, I wore that thing in junior high because it was the popular thing to do, and I didn't ever do what Jesus would do. Come on, somebody. WWJD, what would Jesus do? You see, what I want you to notice this morning is that what Peter says is this. Look, my iPad keeps closing. He says, those of you who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus and sprinkled with his blood. I'm going here too, and I didn't plan on this, but I am. I want you to, I want you to, to know what it means to be chosen. You say, well, what does it mean for me to be chosen? You see, what Peter here is doing, now remember, Peter did not write this book to us. This book was not written to Camden First Assembly, but it was written for Camden First Assembly. Does that make sense? Now listen to me. What we see here is that this is what I've always explained it like this. This is what it means to be chosen by the foreknowledge of God. Let's say that I'm a millionaire. I like, I like thinking about it. And that I make a guarantee, a promise, that every person that shows up at Camden First Assembly next Sunday at 9.30 in the morning is going to receive a million dollars. Y'all be packed out, by the way. Guaranteed. You show up at 9.30 next Sunday, you receive a million dollars. Every person that shows up in this place is going to receive the blessing. Are you with me? Every person that, choose not to, that chooses not to is not going to receive the blessing, Right? You say, well, how are we chosen by the foreknowledge? Listen, Jesus Christ died up on the cross and said, everyone who's willing, everyone who's willing to choose me, I will choose them. And when we are, now that we have chosen Christ, here's, here's something we don't preach enough. Now that we've chosen Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility. We've chosen Jesus so now, therefore, we're in his chosen. And Peter here is saying, if you're chosen, you're in exile. You need to remember that you're in exile, that you were chosen, that you're being sanctified daily by the Holy Spirit, and that you are being called to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Are you with me? This is important. I'm setting the tone. Okay? The point here in a second is going to be fast, but it's going to be powerful. So what, what we see here is that Peter is once again, this Peter that saw Jesus, that walked with Jesus, he's reminding the believers who they are and what they're supposed to be and who they're supposed to be in the midst of a hostile world. He's reminding them of the role of the church and the role of the believer. Now let's read more. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 3. He says, praise Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You don't think the people that are reading this, the letter he's writing, the church he's writing to, they already know this. But he's reminding them. Because they need to be reminded in the midst of a hostile world. Are y'all with me? Because how many of you know in the midst of a hostile world and a hostile life, we can get discouraged? We can forget. We can lose our focus. Our priorities can get out of line. And what he says here is praise be. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance is is kept in heaven for you, who through faith, look at this, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter takes the time in the first couple of verses, he introduces himself, and it carries some weight. He says, I'm Peter. I'm the apostle Peter. I'm the one that's representing somebody that's still alive. I'm an apostle, and not only am I representing somebody that's still alive, but I saw him. I talked to him. I loved him. I walked with him. And I'm here to remind you that you are an exile in this world, and I'm here to remind you that you've been chosen by God, but not chosen by God to sit around and be spiritually lazy eating Cheetos. Come on, somebody. But you've been chosen by God to be sanctified. The Holy Spirit didn't just come, and the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in us just to give us a lively church service. But the Holy Spirit comes to glorify Jesus. And so, therefore, how does the Holy Spirit glorify Jesus? Well, he teaches you to be obedient to Christ, therefore becoming a disciple, because that's what Jesus said disciples were, were those who were obedient to Jesus. Y'all with me? And then he says this. I love this. Here in these next few verses that we just read, he says, Rejoice. Praise the God of our Father. Praise the God of our Father. Praise Him for who He is. Praise Him for His great mercy. Praise Him for, for, for the, the living hope that He's given through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and into an inheritance that will never fade. I love this. Here is Peter's response. He's showing the church. He says, here's the response that you are to have in the knowledge of who Jesus is, what He's done for you. Here's the response. You praise Him. Praise Him because His mercy made you born again. Can I get an Amen. His hope is, the hope that you have in Christ is that you're going to live forever. Come on. Not here. I'm thankful for not here, but my, I'm going to keep on living. Come on now. And look, I love this. And he says, remember in the midst of a hostile world that you have an inheritance that the hostile world cannot take. But instead, your inheritance is protected and shielded and guarded by the one who created you. So not only has he chosen you through foreknowledge, Not only is he giving you sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, not only are you called, okay, not only are you called to be obedient to Jesus, but here's what he's done for you. Come on, church. Here's what he's done for you. What's he done? His mercy to be born again. May we never, may that never be dull to us. The hope that one day we will be alive with him. The inheritance that's guaranteed. And look what he says here. And the power. I love this what he says in in verse 5. He says you're shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation. You are shielded. What did we receive by being chosen, by choosing him and him choosing us? Is we received his mercy, the hope, the inheritance, and the power. And we have a correct response to that. Are y'all with me? We have a correct response to that. Now look what he says after this in verse 6. I love it. He says, in all of this, somebody say all of this. In all of this truth, he's reminding these believers, in all of this truth that I just showed you, he says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. That was when we were supposed to rejoice. How many times in our life, I want to ask you this. Be, Be honest with yourself. Don't raise your hand. When's the last time you just... You just rejoiced because of what Jesus did for you. When's the last time? It's very convicting to me to know that sometimes I rejoice when the Razorback score a touchdown. And I can go days without rejoicing over what Jesus did for me because I get 
distracted. And I get busy. You see, when Peter's talking here talking about a hostile world, listen to me. He's not only talking about persecution, but he's talking about the world as a whole is hostile to what Jesus is trying to do inside of you. That the sanctifying spirit that's inside of you that's trying to make you obedient to Christ to be the disciple he's called you to be, the world is hostile to that by always working to distract you, by always working to slow you down, by always working to take your priorities. That the world is hostile to what Christ is wanting to do. The prayer that I always prayed for Sheridan First Assembly, listen to me, was I prayed this. Right, This was the first prayer I always prayed. Lord, help our people. Help the people of Sheridan First Assembly of SFA help their spiritual eyes to be opened. To see. Now, now once they see it, they've still got to make the choice. But help their spiritual eyes to be opened to see what the world and what the devil and what all of hell is putting in front of them to prevent them from becoming who God wants them to be. Help them to recognize what Jesus is wanting to do and help them to recognize the things in their life that are preventing it. And then let them make the choice. (laughs) I can't make it for them. But help them to recognize and to see and to remember that this world is hostile to what Jesus wants to do in our lives. He says, in all of this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in what? Praise. Come on, church. It may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. I always loved preaching this at SFA. I'd be saying, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And I looked out, look out there and everybody was out there mad. Come on, somebody. I'm like, I ain't doing something right here inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls Peter's reminding them of this truth look what he says in verse 10 he says concerning this salvation the prophets now this right here can convict you if you let it sometimes we just got to let it don't fight it just let it it's okay to be convicted come on somebody concerning this salvation The salvation that you're experiencing, the chosen by the Father, the sanctifying of the Spirit, the obedience to Jesus, changing who you are. He says, concerning this salvation, the prophets from the Old Testament, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched for it. They searched for this salvation. Look what it says in verse 11. They tried to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. The glories that would follow, what are the glories? Giving you new life. Giving you a hope and inheritance and protection here on this earth and changing who you are from the inside out. Making you a disciple and knowing that one day Jesus Christ is going to reveal himself. This is the glories. And and Peter here says that the prophets of the Old Testament searched for this. And look what it says in verse 12. Here it is. I hope I get a big amen on this verse right here. He says it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have seen him, look at this. You know what the scripture's saying? That you're living, that the prophets in the Old Testament were hungry for what we are experiencing. And that when we come to the realization, I am so thankful that I didn't live in Old Testament times. I just am. The Holy Spirit was given to a select few to fulfill the work of God, and the rest of them, listen to me. Now, I'm thankful that the blood of Jesus saves. Listen, those who died in faith, the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to go back. The blood of Jesus is powerful enough to go forward. Come on, somebody. But listen to me. You say, well, how? Well, God knew what was going to happen. God knew that Jesus was going to (laughs) die. The blood of Jesus paid the price. Now listen to this. In the Old Testament, what what Peter here is saying is, you've been blessed in a way that the people that lived before you were not. You have seen the Messiah. 
You have experienced His glories, and now it's living inside of you. Now the Spirit of God resides inside of you. Now it's our responsibility to praise and to, and to worship Him that because of what we've been given. Come on, can I get an amen? Because of what we've been given. The time in which we live is the time in which the prophets searched for. Look what he says in verse 13. This is about to get even better. It's building up to one point that I think will stick with you for the rest of your life. Verse 13, he says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Now, if anybody's watching this from SFA, they will immediately laugh when I say the word therefore because I have a crush on that word. When you preach with my style the way I preach, I love the word therefore because what Peter here is doing is he's connecting everything that he just said. When he reminded them who they were, that they were chosen, that they were sanctified to be obedient to Jesus, that they have a hope and an inheritance that they should be praising and thanking the Lord for, he says, therefore. Oh, and he said, and you're living in the time that the prophets search for. He's telling them how blessed they are. Is that okay to say? Come on, say amen. He's telling them how blessed they are. He says, therefore, because you're blessed, look what he says, because you're blessed, therefore, with minds that are alert, And fully sober, set your hope. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. He says, therefore, because of the blessings that you've received in Christ, therefore, now, what you're calling is, is to set all of your attention, set your hope and your priorities on what, on the second coming of Christ, on when Jesus is to be revealed, so that this hostile world will not distract you and pull you down and get you off track, but your hope, it's the, res- it's the response to what Jesus has done for us, to set our hope. He says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Look at verse 14. As obedient children. He throws it in there again. Now now Peter's just assuming that we're obedient. Oh, come on now. He's just assuming. He says, now as obedient children. Because Peter says, because now you know who you are and that that's why you've been called. And that's how you make a difference, and that's how you respond to the love of Christ. He says, now, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires. Don't this whole chapter now give a different perspective on the Scripture that you see so often? He says, look, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. What's he saying there? What did I say at the beginning? I have my flesh is still there. I'm now born again, and every day I can still make a choice either to choose to pull from the Spirit of God in my life or I can still choose to conform to that flesh. Every day the world is still bringing up that flesh because the world is hostile to what Jesus Christ is doing. And Peter says here, he says, look, now as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. What's ignorance mean? Just not knowing. When you didn't know who you were, when you didn't know what Jesus Christ had done for you, don't conform to that way of life. He says, but just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now the word holy carries carries some meaning today that it really don't mean just because of the way we do with the English language. When you hear the word holy, the first thing that comes to your mind shouldn't be the way somebody dresses. (laughs) Come on, church. That's religion. What holy means is we're set apart. That we realize that we're exiles. We realize that we're called to be different. We realize that we're no longer conforming to the evil desires we used to have, but we look different, we talk different, we act different. When we go to work, we should stand out. We should be different. Why? Because, listen to me, we have been called to be holy. He says, just as the one who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. You say, well, why? Well, let me tell you why. Because of what Jesus did for you, that's just the correct response. Come on, somebody. He loved you so much that he did all of this. The least we can do is be set apart for him. You say, well, Pastor, are you sure that's what this, this scripture is saying? I'm about to show you. Stick with me. Verse 17, this is where we've been building to right here. He says, since you call on a father. Now, remember what he just talked about, being set apart. Let's, let's think about what Peter did. It's so important not to just take a scripture. 
Look, think about what Peter did. Peter has now, in the first chapter, in that first passage, he told us, remember? He told us, he said, I want to remind you that you're, you, are, you have been elected, and I want to remind you that you're foreigners, you're exiles here on this earth. I want to remind you, you've been chosen by God to put, so that the Spirit of God could dwell in you, to sanctify you, to make you more obedient to Jesus. He's, telling, he's reminding them who they are supposed to look like and what they're supposed to do. He says, and you've been called to praise him. You've been called to rejoice and to remember that he has given you a hope, that he's given you mercy, that he's given you a future, that he protects you, that he guards you, that he is who he says he is. He says, therefore, don't conform to the world, but be set apart. Now look what he says. Since, verse 17, this is so good. He says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent, what? Fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Would you put verse 17 back up there for me? Guys, if if you've zoned out today, pay attention right here for these next, next, give me five minutes right here. Here's a scripture that's not preached enough today. Verse 17, Peter says, since... You call on a father. Now, remember what he's done. He has spent the entire first 16 verses telling them how blessed they are. Remember? Here's how blessed you are, and here's your response to it. As a believer, here's your responsibility. In verse 17, here's what he says. It's it's heavy. He says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Live out your time in, as foreigners here in reverent fear. You know, I used to tell SFA all the time, and I still think about it all the time. When Sometimes when I lay my head down at night, I'm, I am very humbled by knowing that I'm going to stand before God in judgment the same way that Paul is. <laughs> I'm going to give an account for my life the same way that Paul is. How did Paul respond? Come on, guys. Goodness gracious. How did Paul respond to the mercies and the goodness of God? Paul's going to stand before the Lord and say, I was shipwrecked. I was thrown in prison multiple times. I was stoned. I was beaten. I was exiled. I, I, I gave up everything for you, for preaching your word. I gave it all up. Then there's going to be people that have accepted the, the blood of Christ who are going to stand before the Father. I told teenagers this Wednesday night, and they're going to say, sorry, Lord. Thank you for what you did for me. But I was just too offended at my brother to keep going. The enticements of the world were just too much. I don't have the same. Come on, does it humble you to know that you'll stand before judgment in the same way that Paul will? Of every martyr that's ever lived? You'll stand before the Lord and give an account for your life. What's the account? What's Paul, what's Peter, why is Peter bringing this up? You're given an account for your life in the way, you're given an account for the way you responded to the love and the mercy and the goodness of God. Now this gets even better. He says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as, for, as foreigners here in reverent fear. Now everything Paul is, Peter has done up to this point has told us how blessed we are. Now he's telling us to live in fear. Now, now I, want to under, I want us to understand, I think we do, this is not the fear that you have of the boogeyman when you're a kid. Come on. This, my, my, my parents and my, my aunt, my mom and dad and my aunt are sitting back on the back row. They live in Fordyce. They drove up here this morning. And I'm going to tell you something, I had a good earthly dad. I've got a good heavenly father. I had a great earthly dad as well. But I'm going to tell you, growing up, I had a reverent fear of him. Come on, somebody. My parents believed in whoopings. I don't think I ever had time out in my life. I wish I did. Time out is amazing for a kid. Come on, somebody. My little girl gets time out, and she just sobs. I'm like, honey, 
We could just whoop you. Come on, somebody. Listen now, listen. This reverent fear was because I knew my dad loved me, but I also knew that I had to have a respect for him. You see, what Peter here is saying is this. God has blessed you in so many ways, but sometimes in 2022 America, this prosperity gospel is taken over where we can just receive the blessings and live our life the way we want to with no repercussions and not ever. Come on, somebody. He says, but you need to remember that not only, yes, God has blessed you in so many ways, but you need to remember that you're going to stand before an impartial judge one day, and that ought to keep a reverent fear inside of you. You see, my dad growing up, I told this story not too long back to a church. My dad growing up, uh, um, my, my parents, are back. I, I was the class clown. And when I was a freshman in high school, there was a name, there was a teacher by the name of Miss Nick, Miss Knickerbocker. Somebody may have known her. I went to Fort Ice High School. Miss Nick, if you're watching Miss Nick, I sincerely apologize to you. And I was the class clown as a freshman. It was her last year teaching. I gave her fits, and one day I heard her go out in the hallway, and I heard her say, Mr. Sanders, on a cell phone. Let me tell you something, that'll sober you up quick. I got home that night expecting, I knew she talked to my dad. I got home that night expecting a whooping. Y'all may say, well, that's not politically correct. I don't know what or what, a spanking, I don't know. I expected it when I got home that night. I got there and my parents was just acting normal. I was like, man, this is weird. This is weird. Got to the dinner table, everybody's in a good mood. It's weird, man. Teacher called home today. What is going on? Then I started convincing myself, maybe I didn't hear it right. The next morning I got to school. Everything was great. I went to bed. I was like, whoo, I got away with that. Come on, somebody. I got to school the next morning, had football practice, the first period in junior high, ninth grade. Got to my, I can still remember, got to my locker, getting ready to go to Miss Nick's class in the second period. Corey Colt walked up to me. He said, dude. And I said, what? He said, your dad's sitting in a desk in Miss Nick's class, bro. Oh, man. There was girls in there I liked and stuff. I was like, all right, this is cool. So I walked down to the class, and I sat down, and he was beside me, or back at the back. I don't remember, maybe back at the back of the classroom. And the one thing I remember is I kept my mouth shut all day because I had a reverent fear. Come on, somebody. And the second thing I remember is Miss Nick asked, asked a question that nobody knew the answer to, and Corey Culp raised his hand and said, maybe Dustin's dad knows. Come on now. Somebody. Wasn't funny at the time. But I look back over my life, and even though I made wrong decisions, I always had a reverent fear of my parents. I had a lot of love, have love for them. They were great parents, but I had a reverent fear for them. And Peter here says, listen, remember that he's blessed you with everything. But one day you're going to stand before him, so you ought to have a reverent fear. Now Peter's going to tell us why. He's told us why, but he's going to tell us why in a different way. Look what he says next in verse 18. This is good, guys. You better grab this. He says, for you know. For you know, in our language today, when we're translating the Bible, means because. You ought to live in reverent fear because. It was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. And let me tell you this. The word redeemed here is actually better translated into the, into the English language as ransomed. This is powerful. He says you were ransomed because you were ransomed not with perishable things, silver or gold, or things that, have been, uh, uh, that, could, that could be burned up. But look what he says in verse 19. But you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Here's what Peter's saying. Not only has he blessed you with all of these things of mercy, and not only has he, has he blessed you with the future and with the hope, and it's got the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit teaching us to be obedient. Not only are all these things good, but you better remember that you were purchased and you were ransomed with the blood of Jesus. Why do we live with a reverent fear? Here's what I want. Here it is. I told you I've got a little girl by the name of Maddie. It's our only child. I love that girl more than words can express. If she was, heaven forbid, if she was kidnapped one day, and she was taken by the enemy. And she was tied up in bondage. And the only way out 
was that the one that had her captive called to her daddy. Come on, somebody. And said, you better drop a million dollars off at the corner of Smith and Green Street. Can I tell you something right now? This, I, I ain't got a million dollars. I'd come up with it. And here's what this would look like. Is I would do what I had to do because of my love for her to release her from the arms of the enemy. And I would go and I would take the ransom. The, the, now, this isn't a good example because it's money. It's all we, we cannot compare to the blood of Jesus. But I would take this ransom and I would set it at the corner of Smith and Green Street. And I would step away and walk away. And then they would release Maddie. And Maddie would walk up to the briefcase that's going to set her free. And she picks it up and she looks at me and says, thank you, Dad. Church, thank you, Daddy, for what you did. And thank you for the price you paid. But I'm going back to them. I'm accepting the price that you paid. Thank you. But I'm still going to go hang out over here. Love you. Call you next week. Pretty sobering. Peter says, you better think about the response you have to what Jesus Christ has done for you. Because there's a day that you're going to stand before the Heavenly Father. And you're going to give an account for your life. And no part of me wants to be like my little girl in that story. That says, Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood that you shed to set me free from the grips of hell. Thank you for the blood that you shed to set me free from the grips of this world and the addictions. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to take it, but I'm still going to live over here and dabble in this. Come on, somebody. What do we sing about earlier? Surrender. Peter says you better acknowledge and think about the response that you have to the blood of Jesus. He says you've been blessed. But verse 17 says you still got a father that's going to judge impartially impartially come on church can I get somebody to come I don't know how y'all do this in Luke chapter 24 there's a story Jesus has resurrected and there's a story there on Easter Sunday of of these two people that are walking back to Emmaus. Wouldn't have been a short walk. It would have been somewhere around probably seven hours. If you know where they would have left in Jerusalem headed to Emmaus. And the story tells us that all of a sudden that a man shows up. We know that it's Jesus. And he begins to speak with them about everything that's happened. And they asked him, they said, are you a fool? Have you not heard all of the things that have been happening in this city? We thought the Messiah had come, but they just killed him. He's dead. We hear rumors that he's been resurrected, but we don't know. All, I, all we know is that we're downcast and we're depressed and we're sad because the one we thought that was going to redeem us from the hands of Rome, come on, church, is dead. They killed him. And the Scripture tells us that Jesus in that moment, they didn't recognize Jesus. I love that. Jesus kept them from recognizing who he was. And what he did as he was walking with them is he said, well, let me ask you this. Let me walk you through the Old Testament scriptures that all pointed ahead to who the Messiah was and what he had to do. And the scripture tells us that when later on, when, the, when these people were sitting down at their home, after they saw who Jesus was and recognized him, one of them said, did our hearts not burn within us as he was speaking to us about the scriptures you see in this response and in this story these two these two people are on their way to Emmaus and we know they don't say it in the moment but they say it later we know that while Jesus is showing them the scriptures the word of God of who he is and who he had to be that their hearts begin to burn inside of them 
that something in here began to churn. And then we see when they got home that Jesus was going to keep on walking. You know how many times in the Bible we see Jesus or the Lord just keep on walking until somebody says, stop. Because what Jesus did is he chose to reveal himself through the word of God. And their hearts burned, but when they got home, he was going to keep on walking down that road. And he gave them the opportunity. And what they say? They said, stop and hold up. Because they knew something inside was different. They said, stop, come with us. Come inside and dine with us. When he went inside, they realized who he was. Why? Because they responded to the word that was being spoken. You see, this morning when I brought out, you may have been thinking, man, where's he going with all this through the whole chapter 1 of Peter? But when we brought out verses 17 through 19 there, and the response that we have to the ransom that was paid, because one, there was a time when I was in bondage by hell. Come on, somebody. The world had me chained up. But Jesus paid the ransom to set me free from the enemy. The only thing that could was his blood, and he chose to do it. And when we come to that realization of what is our response, do I look like someone who says, thank you for the ransom, Jesus, I'm coming with you. Listen, I'm going to live with you. I'm going to surrender you with you. I'm going to walk with you. Or do we look more like the person who would say, thank you, but I'm going back over here. You see, this morning as we were walking through those three verses, if something inside of you began to churn, There was a little bit of conviction there. You're just like the people walking on the road to Emmaus. The Word of God this morning did something inside of you, and now you have a choice to make. Are you going to let the Holy Spirit just sweep on through this place? Are you going to let Jesus just keep walking, and you're going to walk out the back doors the same, and you're going to walk right back to the world saying, Thank you, Lord. Lord, we praise you for an hour on Sunday morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Now, Monday through Saturday, I'm going to live for the world. Come on. Or this morning, are we going to respond to that burning? Are we going to say, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. You can have my life. It's the only response to the price and the ransom that you paid.